What a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all stand on the rock and that rock is unmovable isn't it? Amen. his truth is unmovable his truth the psalmist said is forever settled in heaven take heed that you do not uh, your alms before men to be seen of them otherwise you have no reward of your father which is in heaven Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And when, Jesus, uh, and when thou prayest, <clears throat> thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, O Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. All right. So we are in Matthew chapter 6 this morning. We're just going to take a brief look at these words of the Lord during the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking about prayer. Before that, and Brother Gene just read it to us, he basically talks about pride, doesn't he? He talks about as we walk in this pilgrim way, as we just sang, as we walk in the way that he walked in his past, in this life as a child of God, not to let pride build up within us. That's important. He was putting them in their place and showing them uh, by saying, when you do your alms, don't do it so everybody sees and everybody knows it. Because if you do, that feeling that you get, I must be something else, is your reward. It's important that we realize our place in the kingdom of God. He is God. He alone earned and deserves all the praise and glory, doesn't he? When we pray, he starts in uh, verse 6, in chapter 6 of Matthew, saying, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet or thy secret place. Not that we're not to pray publicly, we are. But this is a relationship between you and Jesus Christ that you're living in. It's important that we don't forget. And you say, well, how could I forget such a thing? Well, we humans tend to get sidetracked by the love of the things of this world, don't we? And we actually tend to forget that I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that He, through the Holy Spirit of God, dwells within me. It's important that we remember our place. Again, we are His child. We are His servants. We belong to Him, don't we? So, enter into your closet, He says. Shut the door. Your Father hears your prayers. Your Father in Heaven knows your mind. And he knows everything you need, verse 8, before you even ask. He really is one over all. He really does know all things, past, present, and future. Past, present, and future. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which is in secret, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Pride. We have to be diligent not to allow ourselves to build up pride within ourselves. Why? Because it's a natural thing, isn't it? The Bible tells us if we're going to be proud, be proud that we know the Lord. Be proud of the fact that He chose us and quickened us and saved us. 
and gave his spirit within us. He says in verse 7, well, let me say this. When you enter into your closet, and I don't believe that this is necessarily a physical room that you have to go into and close the door. I'm not saying anything wrong with that, and there's not. Uh, but it's a private thing. When we enter into His presence in prayer, we are able to do so boldly. Why? Because He's instructed us to. Because when He died on the cross of Calvary, He did away with that wall of petition between us and the great high priest. He became our high priest. And we have access to God through Him. The way they did in the Old Testament, they had access to God through the high priest. So do we. But I just want to say that when we do this, there's not a pill that you could take or a therapy that you could go through that is a better relief of the stress in your life than taking it to the Lord. We've all got it. We've all got stress. We've all got worries. We've got other people that we're responsible for. Rightly so. But we're concerned that we do the right thing. We're concerned that we say the right thing. We're concerned that we set the right example. But when we go before the Lord in prayer, and we lay all these things at His feet, it causes us to realize that He's in control. He tells us in His Word to be of good cheer. Yes, I knew you were going to have tribulation in the world, but don't be sad about it because I have overcome the world, you see. And He's overcome the world for you because He loved you. That's the greatest stress relief there is. Take your worries and lay them at the feet of Jesus Christ. And in verse 7 he said, But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knows what things you have need of before you ask him. Verse 9, After this manner therefore pray ye, now, this is the Lord's Prayer, and we're just going to take a glimpse at it this morning. And it's instructions from the Lord. For some reason, God's people seem to uh, set this aside or something. Uh, I'm not sure why. Maybe lots of reasons. Maybe because uh, people who don't even know the Lord will use it and, and pray it. I'm not sure, but the fact is, it is part of the Sermon on the Mount that the Lord left for us. It is His instructions for us. Now He says in verse 9, After this manner, therefore. What does therefore mean? Well, again I say, He set us straight. He's let us know again who we are in His economy and in God's kingdom. He told, he told us not what to do, 
He's told us what not to do, and He's told us who not to be like, who not to use as an example to follow Him. And by the way, there is no man that fits that description. We can only follow Jesus. He's the only one who has lived a perfect life. So after this manner, therefore, now that you know all this that I've told you previously in this chapter and before, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven. So immediately, praying in this manner, we acknowledge who we're praying to. We acknowledge that He is God in heaven. And in doing so, we acknowledge to ourselves, we're acknowledging it to God, He already knows it, but He wants us to acknowledge it to Him, that we remember that He is the Creator of all things. That He is the God in heaven. That He is our Father by purposeful adoption. He has purposely adopted us into His family. We're His. He's our Father. And we cry, Abba, Father, unto Him. He cares for us like a father. And we remember that. That's why we come to Him as you would, as a little child, go to your father. Dad, I got a problem. Dad, I need some instruction. Dad, I don't understand. And he's always there for you, isn't he? Oh, we failed as fathers, absolutely. But God doesn't. He knows what you need, but he wants you to bring it to him and acknowledge that you know what you need. And the biggest and most important thing that you need is not a thing but it's a person, it's Him. It's Him. We need Him. We need to talk to Him. We need to speak to Him. We need to uh, address Him with our issues. It's a way of life. Yes, it's a stress relief. Why? Because it leads and directs us in His Word through prayer. It really does. This is a daily example of the relationship we have with Him, you see. We're told in the Bible to pray how often? Without ceasing. That's a lot of prayer, isn't it? We don't measure up to that, do we? We don't. Oh, but we will. Because he's drawing us closer to to him. He is steadily conforming us to be like his son. And as I say often, when we see him, we're going to know him because we're going to be like him, you see. We're going to be like him. We're not going to have the sinful nature anymore. So we recognize that he is our Father, which is in heaven. He says, in this manner, pray, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. What does that mean? It means sanctified. It means set apart and special. It already is. But he wants it to be set apart, sanctified, and special 
to us in our minds and hearts. And so as we pray to him, we, by his instructions, recognize that his name is apart from all names. His name is above every name. And he has provided us with one person. That person is Jesus Christ. And that name is the only name by which we must be saved. There is no other door. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. I am the door of the sheep. There is no other way to enter but through him and total confidence in him. And that's a faith once delivered to the saints, the Bible calls it. We recognize his perfect works in our life. Hallowed be thy name. Special because you've worked a miracle in me. And I see the works that you do in my life and I recognize them and I praise you for them. Oh, how important that our minds be in the right perspective when we approach Him. What does it say in our bulletin? <clears throat> Over in Second Chronicles, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. That's what God's doing in the... Uh, in the words of this sermon before he gives instructions of the Lord's Prayer. He's humbling his people. Remember who you are. Again, in the kingdom and economy of God. If they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. We preached on uh, a psalm the other day. And the psalm says to seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face every more, ever more. We read. That's what we do when we come to Him in prayer. We're seeking His face because He has all knowledge. He has all power in heaven and earth. And He cares for you. And He cares about the things that you bring to Him. The issues that you're facing. The stress that you're feeling. The sickness that you're going through or watching loved ones go through. He knows about it. But he wants you to approach him with it. And again, we recognize his perfect work of grace by indwelling us with himself. He implants grace and holiness in the hearts of his people we acknowledge that and again that helps to put us in our place that we belong to him he wants us to approach him without ceasing the bible tells us all right in verse 10 thy kingdom come Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, how do you think God's will is done in heaven? Well, it's perfectly done, isn't it? It's exactly followed. 
There is no wavering. There is no human nature to intervene or to thwart the ways of God. When we pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, we are given over our own desires, our own will, aren't we? Do we really mean that? We pray that we want His will done in our life? Well, what about this and what about that that I want? They're far below the desire that God's will be done in our lives. He knows what's right. It's His Word. He certainly knows His Word, doesn't He? And He applies it to us. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's turn to John 4 for just a minute here. Let's take a look. I know y'all familiar with John 4. The Samaritan woman. And the Lord's conversation with her. Verse 5. So we're in uh, John chapter 4, verse 5. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, thirsty, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. And there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away under the city uh, to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria, of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest, the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the wells deep, from whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob? which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The Lord gives us his truth, his word in our heart, doesn't he? And it springs up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, verse 15, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And Jesus said unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. 
The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he who thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidst thou truly. What was he doing? He was humbling her. He was showing her that she was a sinner. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews or of the family of God. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Here he's talking about his kingdom coming. Remember before, in the Old Testament, before Jesus, there had to be a high priest to gain access to God. But Jesus bought and paid for direct access to Him. Now, the true worshipers worship the Father in spirit and in truth because the Spirit of God dwells within them. Jesus paid that price, you see. For our access to him. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak to thee am he. He's I am, wasn't he? She was right. When the Messiah cometh, he will show us all things. And he has, he has come, and he is showing us all things, isn't he? He's teaching us through the Holy Spirit in our heart. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, as is in heaven again, perfectly. Verse 11 says, give us this day our daily bread. What was the temptation that Satan tempted the Lord with? He waited until he was hungry, didn't he? Forty days. I get hungry in about eight hours. can't imagine forty days. But it's true. He did it. And Satan tempted him with food, with bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Well, let me tell you, it's not just the physical food that he was speaking of. Amen. But he was speaking of the bread of life, the manna from heaven, Amen. Jesus himself, the anointed one of God. Oh, that he would give us of himself every day. We need him, don't we? That's why we go to his word. That's why we put him first, put his word first in our lives. And plead for him to direct us. 
to himself in prayer. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's a scary one, isn't it? Because forgiveness is tough. It's hard to actually do it. It's easy to say. It's easy to say, I forgive you. But in the heart and mind to actually do so is difficult to this nature. Oh, but we're able to do so through the Spirit of God that dwells within us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom. It's his kingdom, see? And it's alive and well now. You are in the kingdom of God. You are spiritually alive. You have an eternal life within you. And it's not going to cease when this body lays down in death. Now this life is eternal. For thine is the kingdom. And the power. All of the power. The power that saved you. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the tomb the third day in victory over this enemy who twists God's word and changes it to try to deceive you. That God is in control and Satan is just another created being. He's not God. He doesn't have the power that God has. He would like to, but he doesn't have it. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the enemy. Deliver us from evil. And he has, and he will. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. There's nothing wrong with praying this prayer word for word. But let us look deeper into this manner of prayer that God has laid out for us to follow. Humble ourselves before Him. Acknowledge that we know and remember that He is God and we are His creatures. That we belong to Him and that we need Him. Oh, and we're going to need Him forever and we're going to have Him forever. He is a wonderful, faithful Savior. And He has given His life for you. Oh, don't you see that it's your reasonable service to give your life for Him? We serve a wonderful Savior.